Yarns and Anecdotes from the History of Ceylon Tea by Dilma Tales from the Thoughtum The Murder of George Pope Adapted from an article by Bernard Van Quillenberg In 1941, the Nuwara Elia district was rocked by one of the most brutal murders which belied the bucolic charm of mountains, valleys, hills and dales, and life in those salubrious climes. This refers to the murder of Mr. George Pope, the superintendent of Stellenberg Group, Udapusalawa. Mr. Pope was ever the strict disciplinarian and as tough as they came. He managed the estate with an iron fist and woe betide anybody who stepped out of line. During this period, trade unions were formed on many plantations and one day a group of laborers met him and requested permission to form a trade union on Stellenberg. Not only was their request refused, but they were soundly berated and threatened with dire consequences, as far as their employment on the estate was concerned, if they persisted with this demand. Dismayed at the manner of the refusal in what seemed to them a reasonable request, and angered by the manner in which they were addressed, the labourers held the matter in abeyance. And for a while, life on Stellenberg went on. Mr. Pope used to visit the superintendent of Lavellon Group Puparessa at least twice a month for dinner, and the latter would return the visit. He had a standing order that whenever he returned to the estate late at night, the tea maker on night duty or the factory officer had to telephone his bungalow and inform the bungalow keeper to open the garage doors no sooner he passed the factory. On the night in question, Mr. Pope went over for the usual dinner rendezvous and left very late. Driving along the road to his bungalow, a fair distance before the factory, the headlights of his car picked out some obstruction on the road which made it impossible for him to pass. It turned out to be the trunk of a tree, and if he had fine-tuned his antenna, it would have told him that something was not quite right. Call it bravery or foolhardiness, but he stopped the car, went up to the tree trunk, and attempted to dislodge it giving him just enough room to pass. The labourers who had laid this trap were hiding in the tea bushes, armed with pruning knives. No sooner did he reach the trunk and attempt to move it, they attacked him in a fury of pent-up anger with the pruning knives, holding nothing back. On that dark lonely road, in the dead of night, he was literally hacked to pieces, not by one, but by six men who fled the scene having committed this dastardly deed. George Pope lay on that road of death, the flesh ripped from his body, his life's blood slowly draining away. Meanwhile the bungalow keeper, anxious that the superintendent had still not returned, as it was now almost 1 a.m., telephoned the factory and expressed his concern to the tea maker, Mr. Ludowijk. Alarmed at this phone call, Mr. Ludowijk organized a band of laborers and went along the road leading out of the estate. Imagine their horror at finding Mr. Pope in a pool of blood breathing his last. The laborers cleared the road and Mr. Ludowijk drove the car to the factory, the dying Mr. Pope by his side. He summoned the dispenser and then arranged for the wounded man to be taken to hospital. It was to no avail. Having tenuously clung to life, Mr. Pope breathed his last in a scene straight out of hell.
Events took a quick turn after this. The police were informed, and unlike the wheels of justice grinding slowly as the saying goes, in this case the opposite was true. They came to Stellenberg with all speed, and in the early hours of the morning, commenced their inquiries. Fate lent them a helping hand almost immediately, for, at the scene of the murder, they found a door key to a labourer's line room. At muster that morning, six labourers were missing and could not be found anywhere, including the would-be union leader, Ramasami Wiraswamy. Pieces of the jigsaw began falling into place, when the key found at the scene fitted the door to his line room. He and the other five, now the chief suspects, had all absconded. The police then threw all their resources into a search, which encompassed most of the plantations in the area, and before long, one by one, the suspects were arrested, except for the union leader. He evaded the law for almost five months, and seemed to have vanished. The police had by then printed wanted posters of the man, which were circulated as far as candy. There is a lesson to be learnt here. Never take anything or anybody for granted, least of all, the humble barber, with his scissors comb and clippers in his dingy salon, unlike the fancy hairdressing salons and boutiques of today. One such barber ran a small barber shop in Candy with his assistant. One morning, a scruffy-looking character sauntered in, looking the worse for wear, and requested a haircut and shave. His unkempt hair and beard did not concern the barber, for that was his trade. What he noted was the filthy state of the man's shirt and sarong. He proceeded with the shave first, and then began the haircut. As he began cutting this customer's hair, the face before him in the mirror accelerated his heartbeat, as if he was walking on a treadmill. Because, in the drawer of his little table at the back of the saloon, there was a poster of the wanted man, handed out by the police some time ago. At the time of distribution, the suspect's hair was not long, and resembled the face in the mirror before him. To his credit, the barber remained calm and cool, and did not flinch or lose his nerve at this discovery. Politely telling his unsuspecting client that he had to answer a call of nature, he asked his assistant to continue, went to his room, and checked the poster. Having scrutinized it once more to be doubly sure, he went to the tailor shop next door and used their telephone to inform the police. Five heavily armed constables led by an inspector made their way to the salon and the wanted man, Ramasami Wiraswamy, meekly surrendered, realizing that escape this time was impossible. The long search of five months had ended. The case was heard by one of the finest judges of the time, Justice Suits. Five of the accused, the union leader included, were sentenced to be hanged and kept their date with the hangman. The other accused was sentenced to ten years' imprisonment, when it was conclusively proved that he had no direct link to the murder, but had aided and abetted the accused in plotting Mr. Pope's murder. Yarns and Anecdotes from the History of Salon Tea by Dilma